Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 79 of Thrive Deeper. It's your humble host here, DJ Payne. And on this week's episode, Matthew and I sit down and we finally, we finally get to your questions. We've got a ton of questions to get through, but we still want to get through the life of Abraham in Genesis, in the early books of Genesis. So we've got a big goal, questions And Genesis, can we do both? Well, you're just going to have to listen to find out. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of Thrive Deeper. Grab that Bible, grab your copy of Thrive and grab that pen and paper and enjoy this week's episode of Thrive Deeper. People are going to think I've got some sort of audio effect going on your voice. Mm. No audio effect. I haven't changed the octaves. You're just sick. Yeah, I'm just a little coldy. I've got the man flu. (laughs) I I feel like putting a Perspex shield around you. You've been spraying Glenn 20 at me for the last half an hour. I am, I work yeah, in I'm radio. Suffocate from that stuff. It's I do. I do have the window open here in the studio as well, which we don't usually do. So if you get some you get some traffic noise in here, just be mindful. It's for my own health safety yeah. reasons. Okay. Now uh, this morning um, we're gonna we. This is something new that we haven't done before for a very long time. We're actually recording like two minutes before I put the episode out. Yeah. We- which. <laughs> Yeah, apologies for that. DJ, that is, DJ is very sorry. Hey, hey, that, hey, hey uh, hang on. Someone it's or, not out first thing Friday morning. Someone has been very, yeah, very busy right. over the last couple of weeks, and I won't name, I won't mention any names. But we are trying to get back on the schedule. So please, please, uh, you know, we, we will next week. We'll be all back on schedule. He says as he uh, as he glares at Matthew for. Uh, well, I, I was sick yesterday. <laughs> we would have been on schedule if I wasn't sick. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, and yeah, I do have to. Confess, he did try to come into the studio, and he sounded he sounded even worse than what he does right now. So, well, listen, we've got two big goals for this week. We want to try to get through some of the questions that have been coming in. Yep. Question and comments have been coming in via the email address on the website, and also via our Facebook group, which we love hearing from you there. So, we want to get through that, and then we also want to get back to Abraham. Mm. Last week, we left Abraham in the darkness yep. of uh, of of carcasses and fire and smoke. And we've left him there. We want to get back to Abraham mm. and see what happens. But I mm. thought we could kick off and start off with some comments and questions. What do you reckon, Matt? Sounds good. All right, buddy. I don't know how up, up for it you'll be, but I'm going to start off nice. And we're going to, I'm going to build you up and then we're going to get into the questions, okay? okay All sure. right, so we've had some emails come in. Benjamin has written to us and he said, Hello, just a message of thanks. I've really appreciated the podcast of this year. It helps me to think through the scriptures. Thank you also so much for recommendations like the Streetlights Bible. It's amazing how many new things I'm noticing listening through big chunks of scripture mm. in an engaging way. Thank you, guys. That's great, yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, and Thank that you, Benjamin. That is a good recommendation. Yeah. Yeah, Benjamin, it's absolute pleasure. Thank you for yeah. writing to us. We love hearing from you. Uh, Janet sends us a message and says, "I have been going through these podcasts, and have now I've gone back to the start of episode number one with all about Ezekiel, and all I can say is, wow, these are so deep, and I'm loving the conversations and connections. I'm seeing new connections every week in God's words. Thank you for sharing these ideas." 
Oh, that's great. Very no. encouraging. Thank you very much for sending those through. And one more, one more. Yeah. To, again, I'm trying yeah. to build you up here before we get sure. into the questions, Matt. Here we go. Okay. Uh, a message from Elizabeth. Hello, Thrive Today. In the recent months, I've been listening to Thrive to D- Deeper podcasts and enjoying them. So, so very thankful. Um, thank you. Uh, I've been. She also says she's been having some technical issues with the website, but we've right. we've corrected them for you. For you, she she just wanted to say thank you again so much for every everything you're doing with Thrive Deeper. Thank you, Elizabeth. So you are most welcome. All everybody, Benjamin, Janet, Elizabeth, thank you so much for writing. And the way that they've written to us is very very simple. They've gone to thrivetoday.net.au to the website. You can see a way to contact us. They filled in the contact form and boom, it comes straight into us. So thank you to everybody that. Now, via our Facebook group, we've got a ton of Mm. questions, Matt, that we're going to try to get through. So buckle up. Here we go. Here we go. From Kellyanne. Kellyanne says, I've been catching up on the podcast for the last few weeks and and also on Matt's sermons from One Hope Baptist Church. Mm. Um, going through Genesis, and it says we are created in God's image, and this alludes to us being God's children. She says, I'm confused. Are all human beings God's children, or only those that come to faith in Christ? Why would the New Testament say that we, as believers, have been adopted into God's family if we already belong to God's family anyway? Mm, Great question, Kellyanne. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Well, uh, we are... We are God's children, and um, the, the idea of being created in God's image, uh, amongst other things, is an indication uh, of the fact that we're God's children. It's sort of a, a way of expressing that, because uh, it says in Genesis uh, 5, talks about Adam's son, Seth, talks about him being made in the image of his father. And so that's, yes. um, that certainly does indicate that um, relationship. Now, of course, what happens is that human beings become estranged from God through uh, through sin. So there's this sense that we are we were created to be children of God, mm-hmm. and in a sense we are. So Paul, for example, at the uh, in Acts 17, when he's speaking to the Areopagus, he uh, says, and in fact, he's quoting from a I think from a Stoic. I think it's a quote that he's doing from a Stoic philosopher. Which says we are his offspring, yeah. uh, you know. So uh, and so he again, again there he affirms to these still at that stage unbelievers we are all God's offspring. We yes. are God's children. Um, so that is generally true. But there's there's a sense, as I said, in which we've become estranged from God, and so um, there's a special sense in which when we, uh, like the prodigal son, when we come home, that we're reinstated formally as God's children. Mm. So think about, uh, think about, in a sense, a lost child, a child that's been estranged. Um, the adoption is like a re-adoption, having, yeah. been, uh, having been estranged, we're brought back. It's, al- it's almost like two different analogies almost butting up against yeah. each other. Yeah, that's and that's right. the thing with Scripture. There is multiple analogies going on. I mean, we are told, yeah. I mean, Jesus even uses language that we are... You know, when we are not right with God, and Paul yeah. uses the same language, we're children of Satan. You know, yeah, we're children right. of darkness. <clears throat> yeah. And then, you know, so there's multiple analogies going on about our ch- yeah. what the children is. And that, that bigger picture of being made in the image of, yeah. 
when we are rebelling against God and we are estranged with him, we ha- we are bearing the image of the enemy there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we are almost yeah. like we're the enemy's children. Yeah. And so that's where another way that might be helpful in thinking about when we come back and we have been estranged and we've been working for the enemy, yeah. we now have a right relationship right. with God yeah. and we're God's children yeah, there. Right. So, yeah. so there's Good. multiple there's multiple ones there, Kelly, and that is a great question, yeah. though. I love that. That's a great one to begin it off. All right, we've got another question here from Shireen. Shireen says, I've, I've been reading through Genesis and reading through 1 John, all right? Yeah. She says, I've got a question. What is light? Well, this is not the science podcast, so we can't answer that, but she goes on. It was created before the sun, so it isn't really a physical light. In the past, when I've read through 1 John 3, I assume that light is God, but if God created light, then it isn't God, is it? What is it exactly? Like, I understand what it is to live in the light and what it is to live in the darkness, but if something God, if something is God created, it's kind of puzzled me a bit. And I'll throw one more in there. In the book of Revelation, we read that God does away yeah, with, the lo- right. with the stars and the sun yeah, and the moon. Because God and himself will be their light. Yeah. God himself will be their light yeah. in the new Jerusalem, in the new kingdom, and in, in, in the new earth. Yeah. So, yeah. so, what I is think, light? I think, well, it's obviously, I mean, in one. Well, there's, we're talking about light in the sense it's theological significance, because you'd need a physicist to answer that question correctly. You know, is it a wave or is it a particle? And we, we don't uh, know, depending on whether it's being observed. Bit of uh, quantum physics uh, here, but that's not what we're going to get into. Um, uh, light uh, throughout Scripture is uh, is has very st- strong symbolic connotations. Mm. It's associated with both life and truth. Uh, and so, uh, God creating light on the first day of creation is uh, is important because it is indicating that God is the source of life. Now, people in the ancient world they worship the sun in many different um, uh, re- religion religious systems in the in the ancient world. Uh, the sun is seen to be the highest. Uh, of all of the gods, because again, the sun is seen to be the source of light, and light is associated with life. Mm. So in Genesis, this is countered by the fact that God creates light on the first day and the sun on the fourth day. It's making a kind of a theological statement uh, that the sun is a light bearer, yes. but the ultimate source of light is God. <sighs> and it's but again, there it's talking about light in its theological significance. So uh, when uh, when it says in 1 John that God is light, it's talking about God actually is the source of life and truth. Uh, God is the source of life. And uh, and the idea of light and darkness that's explored there as well, that's that idea of truth and deception, um, that when we walk in deception, we're also walking in death uh, in, in some sense. And so... Um, uh, so yeah, the, the light is a very rich symbol mm. throughout Scripture. And in in Revelation, um, uh, I think it's uh, Revelation 22, mm. uh, 21 and 22, when it talks about God himself being their light, that mm. they, they will not need the light of the sun or whatever. Again, you know, it's not saying that it, this is make, this is symbolism. It's, it's making a theological statement. Yeah. Uh, and, in fact, I've just been looking at this because at the moment I'm actually writing the Thrive for Revelation, which is, I think, three editions away. Yeah, because wow. I have wow. to. I, I work way in advance, way ahead, uh, to get these things out. So, um, yeah, it's interesting because uh, a lot of people would say, "Oh, well, in the new heavens and the new earth, there's not going to be a sun mm. or a moon." Well, no, there's actually it's 
it's yeah. symbolism there in Revelation. How literal do you take yeah, it? All that that's type right. of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think Shireen, what you're asking here is actually you're you're butting your head up against something that is mysterious. Yeah. Something that is the mystery of God. There are so many elements of God's nature and His creation and who He is yeah. that begins to. The, the colors sort of bleed together, you know, on the picture. And we go, hang on, I don't understand this. God talks about, you know, time as if he's outside of time. And then he talks about time as if he's a creature of time. Yeah. How does that work? It's the same sort yeah. of thing. It, we, it's a mystery. Yeah, well, and it's interesting too. I mean, now we when we talk about light in our day and age, you know, we do think physics. Yeah. But in the ancient world, people didn't think that light was, you know, was this mysterious uh force or that illuminates and, mm. and allows for life mm. and so it becomes this symbol of as mm. i said of life and truth mm. uh and uh and so i think biblically that carries right through and it and it doesn't detract you know the, i mean the fact that we talk about it in terms of physics doesn't detract from the rich symbolism uh that is being used there in scripture so just got to think what does light stand for in in the sort of biblical yeah uh, symbology and and uh, yeah that's that, that again I hope that, you know a bit of a round the world question there yeah. but I, I don't know exactly you know other than what we've said we could answer it I mean yeah. there's you know there's books and chapters of books written on on this analogy and written on this symbology and everything yeah. like that and it is it is I think one thing Matt that you you you, you hit on the head there that it's it, mindful to keep in mind of the people that were reading some of these accounts. Yeah. And for example, when we see we see so much about light and the sun and how God is the master of the sun, yeah. you know, in different accounts yeah. in the Old Testament, the sun standing still, the you know, God the yeah. the, the, yeah. the, the Jewish God is in control yeah, of that. Right. You know, yeah, one yeah. of the highest things. Yeah, yeah. Moses and 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 Pharaoh, yeah. you know, got darkness, the plague being, of darkness, exactly. Right, yeah. So there's so many elements of that where where God is saying, though, no, I'm above what what humankind yeah, have, have, right. have yeah. said that God that God is there. All right, we've got another question here from Christy. Christy says, "Did Adam and Eve ever eat from the tree of life?" And she's uh, you know she's asking yeah. about Genesis chapter two and Genesis chapter three. Yeah. What you know? Yeah. Basic question. The short answer is that we don't really know. Um, the verse that she the verse that she quotes here, chapter three, verse twenty two, is after the yeah. Lord has made clothing clothing of skins for Adam. Yeah. The Lord God said, "Since man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not reach out and take from the tree of light and eat and eat and live forever." Yeah, yeah. Well, we. I'm, look, I think the easiest answer is we don't really know. I, I mean, I think that the, the text would seem to indicate, well, uh, let me think about this. Did they eat from the tree of life? Well, there is this scenario with the two trees that's set up. It's, a sac- it's like a sacramental scenario in the sense that in the same way as the sacraments that we have are, are mechanisms that we use to make decisions. Yes. Uh, the, the, the temple system, for example, has also had this sacramental significance. It, w- the, it was a physical mechanism. The sacrifice were physical mechanisms through which choices were made. Well, in the garden, we see God setting up a kind of sacramental decision-making thing with these two trees. And, um, and the tree of life is, uh, you know, communicates 
uh, and sustains their life mm. in that sense mm. forever potentially. Um, so, uh, look, you know, I, I think they may have. It all depends on how you know how long were Adam and Eve actually in the garden before yeah. Satan, you know, like the because again, if they're living, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so we could say we could say okay, we don't know the time frame before the fall. Yeah, they may have. Yeah. Oh, that's but, right. Yeah. But, but after, after the, the fall, fall, they didn't. That's they right. didn't. Yeah. Yeah, that's about as clear as we can be. I think that's as clear as what we can be from Scripture. Yeah, Chrissy, I hope that answers your question. Let's move right along. Uh, We've got a question from Meg. She's got a two-part question. Meg, I love this question. Were we, in fact, actually made flawed? We had a choice to eat from the wrong tree or not. So when she says we, she's obviously talking about humankind, humanity, mankind. We had, a, we had a choice to eat from the wrong tree or not, and we were so weak that on the first temptation, we folded and gave in to that temptation. So were we made flawed? Were we made weak? Did God know we were going to do it? And why? Did we ever stand a chance or did we always have evil within us? How can something God made be inherently evil from the very beginning? In that case, what is the point of anything? Yeah, well, what is clear in Genesis one is this is, by the way, a very involved question. It's it's, <laughs> it's a great, yeah, it's question. a good question. But um, we're almost getting into philosophy yeah, here, which is which is your your you know your uh, area of expertise. Well, it's it's philosophy, theology. Uh, it, it look, it's a deep question. But what we do know, Genesis chapter one, is that everything was created good. There is everything that God created uh, is is good, and uh, in a sense, evil. And this is the way that. Uh, you know, some of the, like, for example, Augustine and maybe I think Thomas Aquinas uh, also defined evil as a disordering of God's hierarchy of goods. And those people are early church theologians. Well, yeah. Uh, mid mid um, history. Yeah, Augustine's 400, Aquinas is, you know, sort of 13, yeah. uh, uh, 13th century. So um, 1300s, I think. Yes. Uh, if I didn't have a cold, I'd probably remember. Um <laughs> So, uh, so they. Uh, in fact, I'm 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 writing. I should know that because I'm been writing a lecture uh, lecture notes on Thomas Aquinas for my philosophy class. So they would say that, uh, and, and I think quite rightly that that because we we don't want to say that anything is that nothing is inherently evil that God has created. Mm. Uh, it's it, it's actually the disordering of God's hierarchy of goods, as I said that. Um, and, and remember, we've talked a lot about order and chaos mm. and God. what we see in Genesis 1 is God bringing about perfect order. And it's the upsetting of that perfect order that really becomes the definition of what evil is. Mm. It's mm. the upsetting of God's mm. order. And that's exactly what we see Satan doing in Genesis chapter 3 and the way that the narrative is patterned out. Everything is turned upside down. So mm. mankind is put in charge. Satan comes in a lowly form of a serpent. Mm. And, you know, and so there's this upturning of all creation. So that's essentially what evil is. Now, uh, God did not create human beings inherently evil, but he did create us with with choice, yep. with freedom. Because we were created for a relationship, we were created to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Now, to be able to love, you have to be able to choose. Mm-hmm. And so the greater good um, here was man's ability... Yep. To, to actually love God, and so he was created as a free agent. Free choice. And um, uh, so so mankind used that choice 
to uh, to rebel against God. Mm. And in, in that sense, it was as a result of that choice that mankind became, in some sense, corrupt. Um, so, you know, Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Uh, that kind of idea is a post-fall mm. condition. It's mm. our fallen condition. Now that, uh, and, and theologians would say that we are... Uh, totally depraved even that idea of total depravity Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that um uh, theologians like uh uh, barvink would would say doesn't mean that uh we are totally bad all the time it actually means that everything that we do is tainted in some way Mm -hmm. uh by this um by our fallenness by our sin so that's the way that it works so I don't know if that's have I covered that there. I think I think you have. I think that I think the bigger maybe I'm reading into it here. One of the questions that I see that she's asking behind the scenes is: Was there ever a chance that Eve and Adam would have said no? Was that a possibility? Uh, no, to what? To the fruit, to the temptation. Um. Well, yeah, they, of course, there's a possibility. Yeah, yeah. There had to be a possibility yeah. for that because yeah. they are, um, you know, wh- I mean, probably w- what is stranger is that is um, is that it's it was actually possible for them to say yes to it. Yeah. You know, you think, uh, but but actually, that again comes back to that free will thing. In mm. order to love God, they had to be able to choose to rebel against God. Mm. They, that choice had to be there. So yes, indeed, they could have said no. Yep. To Satan, absolutely, because they're not, uh, and 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 you know, in a sense, um, that is really uh, that's the choice. That's where it all goes wrong. It's like they can make this; they 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 have the authority mm. to expel Satan from the garden. I mean, that not only do they have the authority to do that, but they have the responsibility to do that, yes. and they choose not to exercise that authority and that power and that responsibility, and instead they join his rebellion. Essentially, yeah. yeah. I hope that answered part one of the question there for you. I think that's a a really big question, Meg. And your second part of the question says, and I love this part of it. What would have happened differently if Adam and Eve had owned up to God the instant they sinned? Would things have still unfolded the same way because man is so weak and he hid? But imagine if the minute they realized that they have done something wrong, they cried out to God instantly. That's a great great thinking process, a great imagination process. I don't really know, but I, 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 I think it might have changed something about it. I mean, because God, I mean, the conversation wouldn't have gone the same because God says, why are you hiding? I mean, he wouldn't have had to say that. Yeah. I think. Well, well the, the the abdication of responsibility that happens in Genesis 3 when, you know, because the man blames the woman and the yeah. woman blames the serpent. So they're all, they're, no one's taking responsibility. Yeah. And and that's, you know, that's seen as part of this new condition now. They're hiding from God. They're, um, they're, they're. They're now in this fallen state where they're not taking responsibility, so that's indicative of their new condition. Um, I, I'm not sure that even even if they would have said, "Oh, you know, forgive us," there's still the consequence. Oh, of course, uh, there's still the, the consequence that yeah. they have crossed that line. They have eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so that indicates a loss of in- innocence. Yes, that's why they were not to eat from that tree because yes. they would cross that line and lose their innocence. Yeah. So the consequences would have been. The same. Yes. Now, um, God did, forg- you know, th- there is forgiveness in that story. You know, yes. he clothes them. 
that's probably indicative of, you know, a sacrifice would have had to have been yes. made. So I think that's indicated there. God is still with them. And what we sense from the rest of the story yeah. is not God hasn't rejected them. Yeah. Uh, they have rebelled against God, but God is, uh, and, and this is where you get this, we, we talked about the line of Seth yeah. and the people calling on the name of the Lord and there, and we looks at Enoch walking with God and Noah walking with God. God hasn't rejected, he hasn't rejected Adam and Eve and yep. he hasn't rejected humanity. Yep. There's still the opportunity for them and anyone to follow to walk it. with God. I, I, so I guess the answer there for your second part of the question, Meg, is what would have happened differently? Well, we see what would have happened differently with Enoch. Yeah, that's right. What, what, yeah, would, yeah. what would have happened differently? We see it with the godly people, the godly line. Yeah. We see it with Noah. We see it with the people who have called out to God and live in that close yeah, relationship right. in those early... Well, we don't, you know, we don't know much about what Adam and Eve... I mean, mm. they lived all of these years mm. uh, after the fall and, and so we, we, we just don't know how they lived, really. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that, you know, the, the covering and the way that God even though they're expelled from the garden, mm. uh, God hasn't outrightly rejected them. I yeah. think that's an important yeah. point. Great questions, Meg. We appreciate it there, and there's no questions too hard. Now, we're going to touch on this last one before we have a break, Matt, because we're not going to actually answer this question. I'm going to no. use this as a springboard. Yeah. The most popular question we've had on Thrive Deeper, the the uh, the group on Facebook, yeah. has had nothing to do with Thrive, okay? So okay. I, so you can see my attitude straight away. I'm taking it as a personal slap in the face here, but I'm only joking. We had a wonderful question from Shireen, and she's had a series of questions there about people giving information or advice or books or movies or things to her children, all right? And that's yep. the theme of her questions. People saying, oh, your kids are needing instruction on this. Let me give you... And she's had a series of questions about, hang on, what should I be doing as a parent? I'm, the kids, There might be some good advice within this book, but it might have a lot of new age nonsense or it might be from someone who's not a Christian. It yeah. might be from an atheist. It might be from this. What do I do as a parent to you know, filter mm. what my kids are getting and you know, type of thing? Now, the biggest question that has come up is from someone giving her advice around Jordan Peterson, the yeah. the the the, um, the Canadian uh, um, psychologist Jordan Peterson, incredibly popular on the internet, incredibly popular uh, in different circles, uh, both infamously and famously. Uh, done, he's done series of uh, videos, he's done talks, he's done books, and everything like that. She's got a question about Jordan Peterson, and my goodness. Yeah. Everybody came out of the woodwork. People who have never commented on anything yeah. before all came out with their opinions on Jordan Peterson, both good and bad. Now, I say all of that to say these are the type of questions we love getting and we both have, a, and we both have opinions on, yeah. on Jordan Peterson. We both have opinions on this whole conversation. But Thrive Deeper, the podcast, yeah. we want to get through Thrive. We're, we're struggling yeah. to get through the books that we want to get through, the chapters through Genesis we want to get through. And I'm going to use this as a springboard to say, coming early in 2020, yeah. we're going to start another podcast. Are we? Yeah. We're- <laughs> 
We're going wow. to start, start another podcast. It, it'll be an occasional podcast. Yeah. It's not going to be a weekly podcast. We're, we're, we've loosely, call, you know, behind the scenes, we've been calling it Thrive Topics. Okay, yeah. Uh, and it'll be around issues like this. We did the Israel Folau one yeah, earlier yeah, this yeah. year as a bit of an experiment. Um, there's topics like this. We get questions all yeah. the time about about cultural questions, stuff about the news, uh, you know, stuff about opinions that don't really fall into the Thrive book series. Yeah. You know, it doesn't thrive, it doesn't go into that. And I think it's important that yeah. we have these conversations yeah. about it. So, uh, so look forward to 2020. Yeah, yeah we'll we'll get onto that. That, that's a good topic it, because it, he is – I mean, Jordan Peterson is enormously influential public intellectual, probably the most influential yeah. uh, at the moment. I don't think it would be too much to say that, certainly one of the most. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, very interesting with the way that he engages in the text and, and actually in connection with Genesis. Yes. He's done a very influential series of lectures drawing from Genesis. His whole concept of chaos and order that yeah. his book 12 Rules for Life – which is subtitled An Antidote to Chaos, yeah. that whole concept of chaos and order is largely taken from the book of Genesis. Yes. So um, uh, he, I mean, he treats the material more like it's myth yes. uh, and we would not treat it like that. No. Um, but and he's, and he, but and he, his, yeah. a lot of his material is very insightful. I mean, it's interesting, but anyway, we, 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 we should have that conversation at some yeah. stage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you look forward to that. Coming sometime in 2020, yeah. <laughs> early 2020, I'm going to say, uh, Thrive Topic, a whole new podcast. It w- we'll let you know about it on this podcast, but it'll be a new feed that you can subscribe to, something totally new, and uh, we really need, we'll ho- need a lot more input from you with questions around culture, around what's happening in the news, mm. around bigger bigger questions around the Bible that we would love to get into. There might be something a little bit different to uh, to what you've been used to with Thrive Deeper. All right, let's take a break. Right now, we're going to come back and we're going to get into a little bit more. We're going to see where Abraham is in the darkness, in the, uh, in the carcasses here. We'll see what happens next on Thrive Deeper. family, DJ here, and I want to let you know that you are able to get copies of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide, both physical copies and digital copies, whatever your digital weapon of choice is, whether it's a Kindle or another type of e-reader, we have them all for you, available at thrivetoday.net.au. It's great that we have so many of you listening to the podcast, but it's even better when you're able to read through the Thrive Daily Reading Guide and join us as we read through it. So that's the whole goal of what we're doing, and we would love you to get in on board and support us as we do that. We have a lot of people contacting us every week. Hey, I love the podcast. How can we support you? Here's a really simple way to do it. 
get a hold of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide, whether that's a physical copy from the website. You can get a subscription from thrivetoday.net.au or you can get your digital copies from there. It's really simple to do. And if you've got any questions, there's ways to get a hold of us there. Just one more plug for thrivetoday.net.au. That's our home on the web. That's the best way to contact us. If you've got any questions about what we do, it's all happening over there. All right, that's enough from me. Let's get back into the conversation between Matthew and I and the book of Genesis and Abraham here on this week's edition of Thrive Deeper. Welcome back to Thrive Deeper, episode 79. We finished with the questions. We finally got through your questions. Sorry that it's taken us so long, but we're heading into... Now, when we left Abraham, we left Abram, actually. We left Abram Mm. in chapter 15 of the book of Genesis. He was in great darkness. The Lord had just shown up between the carcasses and, and had promised a brand new covenant with Abram yeah. about his relationship with him. We move into chapter 16. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Well, uh, this is a classic uh, example of people trying to help God do what he's supposed <laughs> to do. And, uh, of course, uh, they're not having children. And so Sarah comes up with this plan where Abraham's going to sleep with her servant and have so they can have children through uh, through the Egyptian slave named Hagar. Um, but no, that's not God's plan. And um, uh, now, because, of course, because Hagar, ha- this, you know, Abraham does this, she has Ishmael. Mm. Ishmael's going to be blessed because he's still a child of Abraham and the promise is a promise. Mm. But it's not God's plan. Yeah. Uh, God is going to do this. And I th- the message of this, and this is, causes some issues here, this causes tension. Oh. Here in the family, and, and this is important. And you know the message here, uh, where you get this introduction of chaos again yeah, here yes. in conflict mm. in the narrative. You think, oh, gee, where is this coming from? Mm. This is coming from people trying to help God. Yep. Don't try to help God. Serve God, but let God be God. <laughs> yeah, that's the key here. And, and God bless Sarai. Uh, I mean, she again. This is still Sarai, Sarai, Abram's Abram. This is before they've had their names changed. You can imagine Abram coming into the tents a day or two after he's been in the wilderness with yeah. God and this vision and, and like wild eyed. And, and she's like, what's going on now? And he's like, man, the, the God character turned up again. There's, you know, our yeah. God turned up and this is what he said. You know, we're going to have 400 years of our descendants are going to be yeah. doing this and telling him, telling Sarah and Sarah's like, well, we've got to do something about this. Yeah. We've got to, we've got to make this plan happen. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And, and, and using a, um, a cultural practice that was common yeah. in those yeah, days. Right. Yeah. It's almost like a surrogacy, but yeah. a very primitive form of yeah. surrogacy. Sarah can't bear children, yeah. so I'm going to use one of my handmaidens here. Yeah. You bear a child, and and it sounds like and Abram should have known better. Yeah. He goes along with his plan. Yeah. Ka- chaos, and, and cha- chaos, chaos enters in. Yeah. And it's a, it's a hard story. And when you read about Hagar and Ishmael and. And you know you think this is terrible. This is and and it actually is. It's it, it's 
it, it is the introduction of conflict and, mm. and there's a sense of injustice here for Hagar mm. And, mm. and exactly yeah. because they're trying to make things happen their way according to the customs of that time. But that's not what God wants. So the yeah. key, as I said, we, we, we are to serve God, but we need to let God be God. And, and there's a difference between serving God and trying to help God yes. do what he has promised. And, and it's a great illustration. It's a really great illustration of when we try to get ahead of God's plan yeah. for our life, whatever that results in, we often go, okay, let's just pretend that that didn't happen yeah, and we yeah. want to throw it away. Yeah. But but God, here's where God is so faithful. God, the angel of the Lord, comes to Haggai when yeah. she's in the lowest of lows yeah. and says, you know, I'm Hag- going to bless Hagar, you. Yeah. Sorry, Haggai. Sorry, ha- Hagar. Yeah. Hagar. She's, and, and the Lord says, I'm going to bless you. Yeah, that's right. I'm yeah. going to bless you. And, and she's, but she says, but the Lord, you know, the Lord says, it's going to be conflict. Yeah. This is you, this is going to be conflict for the rest of you know That's the rest right. of the world. And there's going to be conflict between the descendants of Ishmael and and the descendants of Isaac. Yep. So, again, conflict has been brought in here through uh, essentially people doing the things that they should not have done. Uh, in this case, it's really comes from a, a kind of faltering faith. Now, in some way, some ways, I this is encouraging because Abraham is upheld as the father of faith. Mm. And the sort of the ideal of faith, but it's important to recognise that his faith isn't faultless. Mm. Here, it's not a he's it's just not a, a faultless yes. faith. Yes, yes, uh, and that I find that encouraging because uh, if you know, even Abraham is uh, is can be called a man of faith. Yeah, but it's not perfect faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. well, and that doesn't excuse it because what we see is that his their stumbling here yeah. has consequences, and again. Genesis is a book of consequences, hundred percent. So, so to bring it to bring it in the light, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Matthew. Let me let me uh, be really, um, you know, simple with it. Uh, Abraham is seen as the as the father of the Semitic races. Yeah, that's right. Right. So out of out of the blessed chosen child, yeah, we get the Jewish line. Yeah, that's we right. Get, we yeah. get the Hebrew people. Yeah. Out of Ishmael. Now, let me say this correctly. Ishmael. Is still blessed, yeah. but not chosen. That's right. Yeah, we have all the other Arab Semitic yeah. races. We have, and a lot of people would love to make it very, very simple. As you know, we have the Jews on one side and the Muslims on the other, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah, well, they they would claim lineage back to Abraham through yes. uh, through Ishmael. Yes, and um, yeah. So, uh, what, what? However, we look at that. The point here, and for a Jewish. You know, f- for a Jewish person hearing this story at the time, they would say, "Ah, oh, that's where all of this conflict yes. that we're having with our neighbors. with our neighbours, mm. um, this all comes back to this. Mm. Uh, it comes back to people doing the wrong thing. We're going to see the same thing again because uh, where the neighbours come from often comes from things that should not have been done." Yeah. You know, and we're going to see that with Lot's daughters as well. Uh, in, yeah. in a it, it, yeah. So we get some, like yeah. I say, we get some consequences. And I want to say, I also want to say, talking to some Muslim friends that I have here in Geelong, you know, yeah. that, I, that that we that we know, uh, talking about this story, and they yeah. and they love to come back to this story because they say we both, are, you know, yeah. you know, we are both descendants in faith mm. from the one man Abraham, and, and I say, yeah, but. You what? Tell me what you really think about Ishmael. And he's like, well, they, we believe Ishmael was a chosen one. 
And when I'm like, well, I believe Isaac is Jason. <laughs> so that's where we come unstuck. But they, I was surprised at how they they really do trace their lineage back yeah, to them, right. to them, yeah. and the father of their faith to Abraham as well. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. so uh, and and look, ultimately, um, physical lineage isn't the main thing. It's yes. it's being of the faith of yeah. Abraham, mm. and uh, yeah, it's alt- You know, the the one in relation to whom. Uh, we are God's children, of course, as Christ yes, uh, and not Abraham. So that becomes all important. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's moving right on here. Uh, chapter 17, we have a new, ex- uh, let me say, uh, would sacrament be the word, a new, ex- a new sign yeah. of the covenant? Yeah, that's right. It's a sign of the covenant that's added. Um, and uh, you get this unfolding happening. So God is... He, constantly reaffirming the promise. And at this stage, he adds a sign of the promise and the sign of circumcision. Um, Circumcision was something that uh, was around uh, at the time. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah, it was not invented here. Uh, There there is some uh, precedent to this, but this now becomes, uh, this becomes the the sign of the covenant. Yes. And, you know, it's it's interesting... um, and I did a bit of reading on this, you know, what? Uh, th- th- there's not a lot of clarity around why that sign was chosen. Yes. Um, look, it could have, have something to do because the promise is a promise that passes down through the generations. Yes. That that particular part of the anatomy is, yeah. you know, to do with generation. Uh, look, it's a great way of getting the attention. Uh, you know, there's the sign of the covenant. Yeah. Uh, but the... the l- you know, later on, you get this sense of it's a symbol of what, for example, later prophets talk about it: circumcision of the heart. You know, it's 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 a taking away of the hardness of the heart. It's mm. a symbol of ultimately what what God wants to do in the new covenant. So, um, in any case, what, for whatever reason, this becomes the sign of the covenant, and uh, and so. Abraham who has received a promise now unconditionally has uh, a further opportunity to respond uh, by taking on this sign of the covenant. Mm. Uh, so notice this is not earning anything. None of this is earning anything or even warranting anything, mm. but it's simply receiving. It's like, you know, initially God was told to leave his country and his father's household. So th- again, he's not earning, uh, he's not earning the blessing that God has promised. He's simply stepping into it. And here, through the reception of this sign of the covenant, it's, it's again, it's identifying with this promise. It's receiving this promise. It's a way of saying yes. Yeah. And which is exactly what we do, for example, through baptism. Mm, mm. Uh, we, we, you know, we signify through that right uh, that we are accepting God's blessing and God's grace in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, I want to I want to pause a little bit here and talk further about this. One one thing with context, uh, as far as um, you know, timeline goes, and a little bit of confusion there with the timeline. We read in well, this is also the part where finally yeah. Sarai becomes Sarah, yeah, and Abraham right, yeah. Abram becomes yeah. Abraham. God yeah. changes their names yeah. here. Abram was ninety nine years old. So yeah. for between chapter sixteen and chapter seventeen, yeah. there is a gap of about thirteen years. Yeah, thirteen years. Yeah. We read that Ishmael is still in the household, yeah. 
in in at yep. this time when God gives him this promise. So this this episode with Hagar and Ishmael, whether she left and come back or whether it happened late, I mean, yeah. We don't. We're not there's exactly lots clear. Of water under there's, the bridge yeah, yeah, there's lots of lots of things. Ishmael is still part of the household because when Abram, as Abraham, is charged with this new sign of the covenant, he takes all of the males in the household, including his his yeah. his born his son Ishmael, yeah. all of his slaves, all of the servants, everybody who's working with him, everybody who's who's yeah. there, and he circumcises them. That's right. You know, yeah. they they circumcise now. Oh, he, and Abram again. Abraham is ninety nine years old at yeah, this point. He's an old man. Uh, it would be, you know, I, I mean, oh, to have a time machine and to go back and yeah. to and to hear the conversations that took place around this. Uh, around yeah, this we're going to do what? <laughs> what? What yeah. are we doing, Dad? Oh, <laughs> pardon me. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's it's pretty full on. But again. As Genesis is the book of beginnings and it's and it's the book of where we're learning foundational elements of scripture, part of us want to brush circumcision aside and go, okay, let's just move on to the next thing. But this is an important yeah. uh an important sign, as graphic and as sort of like inappropriate we get a little bit flustered yeah. and all of a sudden we turn into Puritans about yeah. it. But it keeps coming up again and yeah, again yeah, and right. again, yeah. all the way through the Old Testament yeah. and with Paul. All the way with the New Testament. Yeah, that's right. He uses it as an illustration full on yeah. about what God wants from us. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it, it becomes um, it becomes an important signifier of God's people up to this yeah. point. You know, every male is, is circumcised. And, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it carries through. It becomes a big issue in the New Testament. Of course, in the New Testament, the issue is, do we still need to be circumcised? Yes. You know, Paul's answer to that is no, we don't. That was a that was the sign for the given Jews. Uh, for the Jews, but now the doors have been flung open, and now we have a a faith for every nation and tongue, and uh, and so this particular sign is replaced with baptism. Yeah. But let me ask you a question because I know right now. Mums yep. are listening right now yep. of different or yep. would be mums, would be dads, yep. and Should they're like, we still and they're gonna and they're gonna go, okay, Matt, okay, answer my question. I've got a question before you send that question, before you send that email, Matt. I'm about to give birth to a boy child, or hopefully yep. one day I will give birth to a boy child. Yep. Matthew, what do I do? I think Paul's, uh, you know, Paul is clear on this that we don't that this is not something that carries through mm. anymore. Uh, so, uh, I mean, Paul. Uh, had he at one stage with Timothy because Timothy was uncircumcised because they were working amongst the Jews he had poor old Timothy circumcised but in in most cases he's saying to to Gentile believers non-Jewish believers mm. he said you don't need to do this anymore mm. I mean that is really clear so um and it was a bit again it was not, a big it's, issue it's for not the that it's wrong to do but yeah. it's it's this is not something yeah. uh, that that is needed uh, anymore yeah so the point there is Spiritual application, yeah. You know, you don't have to. No. Tradition, physical, parental, grandparent tradition. That's up between you and God. Yeah. Well. Well, I, again, I, I think I think God is, is would say it's, you know, again that's up to you. It's not. Yeah. It doesn't have significance now. Uh, yeah. That had significance. Yes. But again, Paul's point is. Uh, is fairly clear, I think. That All right, let me ask it. Replaced by baptism. Let me ask it a different way. Yeah. Is it spiritually significant if you don't get your children 
circumcised? Um, no. <laughs> no, I'm flipping I, it around. Like, I, I don't. I don't think it's. Yeah. I, I don't think it really is anything. I think. Yes. Again, um, you know, we we signify that choice through baptism yeah. as once we make, and for me as a as a Baptist, I mean, uh, this is why, by the way. As in some traditions, children are baptized yes. because of the of baptism taking the place of circumcision. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's what they call covenant baptism. Yep. You know, I think that's a very valid use of the symbol of baptism. Yep. Yet I, as a Baptist, prefer the symbol applied to those who have made the conscious choice to follow Jesus and signify that and to use baptism as the decision-making mechanism yeah. uh, to do that. Um, so... Yeah, to me, the whole issue of circumcision now is a moot issue. Yeah, yeah. If you want to be, if you want to circumcise children, if you don't want to, either way, yeah, it's of no consequence. I love uh, that's, that's from a spiritual point of view. From a spiritual point yeah. of view, okay, that's a great way to leave it. I, I would, I would encourage the other thing that I re- really encourage people to do, as someone who's been a youth group leader, uh, a Sunday school teacher, yeah. uh, you know, things like that. I was always very amazed. From very even from people who had very biblical parents, as in yeah. like you know very Christian parents, oftentimes when you come to the point of circumcision, kids would be like, "I don't know what you're talking about." Yeah. My point, the reason I bring that up is talk about this with your children. I think this is such a yeah. crucial point in the New Testament, <clears throat> in in both the story of the early church and yeah. then in Paul's reference yeah. to to what God actually wants from us. Yeah. You're doing your kids a disservice by jumping over it. And you know what? Your kids can handle a little bit of discussion yeah, about this. Right. There might be a lot of yeah. laughter, snickering, yeah, yeah. weird looks, you know. But yeah. I think I think it's a it's yeah. a great discussion have yeah. with your kids. Yeah. Matt, we've run out of time. I know you're dying to get through <laughs> a couple okay. more chapters here, but we're gonna we're gonna I think we're gonna leave uh, we left last time. We left Abram, um, you know, uh, in the in the darkness in the yeah. covenant. Now we've left Abram and all the male children. Freshly circumcised sure. at the age of ninety nine, uh, we we we've got a long way to go. We're going to really uh, fly through in the next in next week when we meet together, yeah. and and get through some of the chapters yep. here about Abraham because sure. there's so many great stories here yep. that are so important. Uh, anything you want to leave us with as we as we're reading through Genesis here? Is there, I ask you this every week? Is there anything you want to leave us here with with everything we've just read in mind? Yeah, I. Uh, again, I see through this God's continual reaffirmation to Abraham. I mean, he continually comes and he's reaffirming the promise. And, and it, it's, uh, it's something that we, you know, we need to hear from God again and again and again. And I think this is why it's so important to go back to God's word again and again and again Amen. so that we receive this promise afresh and we're always reminded of what it is that we're walking in. great reminder there to keep coming back to the word especially about some of the promises that we can so easily forget as we go through our day-to-day life well i hope you enjoyed that episode of thrive deeper thank you to everyone who submitted questions we want to hear your questions coming forward if you've got questions about the text of genesis about the life of abraham we would love to hear it Uh, and i know as we go forward with some of the stories that we're going to get from abraham there's a lot of questions you could ask so we would love to hear from you 
you. Thrivetoday.net.au is the place to go. That is thrivetoday.net.au. You'll see a place right there at the top of the page where you can ask us a question. It comes straight into our inbox and we'll get into that in future episodes. Well, I've got to rush home from the studio now, edit this episode and get it uploaded to you so I get it out on your Friday. Until next week, on behalf of Matthew, Stu and the team behind the scenes, we say thank you so much for downloading and sharing Thrive Deeper with your friends. Until next week, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you were reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news. Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's Word and thrive. Thrive.